Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. I know the uh, song is well with my soul became a very uh, important song for the college that I attended and it was uh, it was interesting like you said you all know the background obviously the man wrote it after his wife had basically telegrammed him going to England and saying I alone have survived and the daughters the three died and while he was then making the trip across the ocean to see be with her he asked the captain, will you tell me exactly where, when we get to the spot where it happened? He then wrote the music. The person who wrote the words, the person that did the music, if you know his story, he died very young. He had a young wife and very talented individual. If you look at a lot of our songs we sing, he's the one that does the music. And they finally went away to get on a trip, a train, had a train crash. She was pinned underneath, and he went to try to get her out, and they told him, no, you can't do it. He said, I'd rather perish with her than live a life without her. And he died in, the, in it trying to save her. So a lot of times when we sing songs like this, we don't really realize just uh, how difficult it would. And we'll see another one next week. I challenge you next week to come and another song we sing, uh, whether we do on occasion. Uh, but just a lot of these songs really have a lot of meaning when you look and see it. We've been doing a series on Paul, and obviously we're on the 10th one, and I think it's important when we, one of the greatest missionaries that we're aware of, obviously Paul, and trying to learn from him so that we can be a better witness. And uh, we've all played the game uh, when you go up and I just, you know, whisper in uh, Shelly's ear a sentence, and then she goes and she tells Katie, and it goes around, and by the time it gets all the way back to Linda, what happens? In fact, if I dare to bet, if I said, Jesus, no, Jesus doesn't love you, he didn't die for your sins, it probably would get, by the time it got back there, you would then say, Jesus loves you and died for your sins, because you would change, because you'd think, they said this, this is what's supposed to be. Well, I think it's interesting, and Alshonda and Merrill and Brian and others have sung the song, and just uh, pass it on. And I think if you want a title for the sermon, uh, are we going to pass it on as Paul passed it on? And I think it's important for us to think about, do, are we passing on what we know to others and do it like Paul? I think what we do is we pass on a lot of gossip. You know, we're told, do not uh, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. What is edifying? How many of us are real quick, we hear something about somebody, we're so quick to pass all the junk. In fact, how many people have quit going to church because of what people have had to say? Let's think about it then. We'll look at about three passages. But if you want to pass it on like Paul does, look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me. First Corinthians chapter 2. Passing it on as Paul passed it on. Notice in verse 1, it says in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, When I came to you, brethren, and they didn't come with superiority of speech or wisdom proclaiming you the testimony of God, 
For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. First of all, it's a very simple message. How many times do we try to complicate a lot of things? How many of you have ever gone to a, I remember I've been to different graduations, including some of my own, as well as my kids, and you have the different people get up to speak or they pray, and it's like, I've never heard anybody in my life pray like that. You know, they get up there and they have words, you know, you've got to get a dictionary out there and figure out what it is and all the rest of that. If we want to pass it on like Paul, this very simple gospel, most doctrinal book in the New Testament is the book of Romans. Right? You know, in chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God. It's the power of God into salvation. Then what do you do? Before you can get somebody saved, you have to first do what? Get them lost. Get them lost. From chapter 1, 17 through chapter 3, he's showing everybody's a sinner. That's why he ends in verse 3, 23, for all have what? Okay. Okay. Then you go on and you have uh, 6, 23. The wages of sin is what? Yeah. And then he goes, but God demonstrated his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Very, very, very simple. So I think it's important for us to do the same thing. But the second thing I don't think you realize, most about verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. How many of you ever think that Paul was scared? I mean, you think, oh, he just came in there and he was a bull in a china shop and he just runs around. He was scared. And part of it, too, he was scared on the different parts. He wasn't, apparently wasn't mighty in his speech like he was in his writings. But also, how many times has he been beaten? Everywhere he goes, he gets beaten. So how many of you are going to say, well, every time I open my mouth and tell them about these kind of things, I have either the Jewish people or you have... The city people get upset and they stone me or they beat me or they throw me in jail or whatever it might be. Any of you ever been scared when you tried to share your faith? So is Paul. Don't think you're the only one. If you wait till you're not scared, when are you going to share? Never. Never. How many of you have all these conversations in your head about what's going to happen that it never does? Notice the th third thing you have. Notice in verse 4 and 5. And my message, my preaching, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Spirit-led. We have to be Spirit-led when we talk to, to people. The Lord's laying on your heart to say something to somebody, then you need to do it. Very simple. Realizing, yeah, we I can't do it on my own. I have to have His help. I think it's also when you get to chapter three. Then, so it's simple gospel. You may be scared, but that's not unusual. You need to be spirit led, and then notice in verse one and two. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual men, as men of the flesh, as the babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, and not solid food, for you not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. It needs to be suited to the audience. How many of us ever, are we, when we're talking to people, we have to make the subject suited to the audience? And I think it's important for all of us to, you know, we can get into all, one of the classes I had to take. At first I thought it was going to be terrible. It turned out to be a great class. But as the refinery, I was told I had to take a refining 101. And it actually was a phenomenal class, an all-day thing. And it basically showed you 
how they refine stuff. Coming in, he first goes for the from the pipeline, goes to the crude unit, from crude unit goes to the plant unit, goes to the coal crew unit, again goes the alley unit. And each time you have all these different cooling towers, you heat it up, you cool it down, and you get this product and goes to this product and goes all really was a, a very, very interesting class. But it made it to where I could understand rather than all the chemical stuff that they're doing and everything else, which I wouldn't understand. What about you and I? Are we making it so complicated? It reminds me a great deal. You remember when the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were talking to the man about who was blind and questioning him? And what did he say? I was blind, but now I see. Very simple. Hey, I don't know all that stuff about him. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Very simple. Told the truth. And the same thing with your own personal testimony. Just telling people what happened to you. And let the Holy Spirit. So I think it's interesting when you look at it. So how often do I ask the Lord to direct or use me? How many of us ever got up in the morning and say, Lord, how can I be used today? You know, it reminds me of the one when the person was promised by the Lord that he was going to the Lord was going to visit him that night on Christmas Day. And he has three different visitors come to his house. And he helps them and serves them in all ways. And at the end of the day, he said, Lord, why didn't you come? He said, I did. And he starts talking. And I think it's important for all of us. Are we looking for ways with which to speak to people? And I think also, you know, one thing you can do it is, uh, have you ever written out your personal testimony? Two or three minutes. You don't have to go into a, an hour-long dis discussion or everything. You know? How many times did Paul in the book of Acts give his testimony? You ever look at it? He gave it over and over again. So notice, first of all, it's simple. You notice we can be, might be scared, but it needs to be spirit-led and suitable to the audience. That's what we can come from 1 Corinthians. Turn over to Acts. Let's look at a few more. In Acts chapter 16... If you remember in 16, he was. They were earlier in the chapter. They were told they couldn't go anymore into Galatia and Asia and so on. So they went over to uh, Europe, to Greece, and the first ones it's Philippi. Notice starting in verse 13, Acts 16:13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we supposed that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women. Who had assembled. Now, why would they go out to the river? If, okay, if there's 10 Jewish males in the city, they would have an assembly, and this is what they would do. So, Paul is seeking out an audience. How many of us seek out an audience, or how many of us expect the audience to come to us? If somebody wants to hear the truth, they're going to have to do what? They're going to have to come to Dalton Hill Baptist Church and walk in the door. It, well, that's, you know, in all honesty, isn't that what most of us expect? Or if you want me to give me, you my testimony, you're going to have to ask for it. Notice Paul seeks out an audience. How many of us are seeking different ways on how to share our faith throughout the day? And that can be a lot of different people. A lot of different ways you can do it. You know, we had, like I said, Wednesday night, we got the call, Gene, you know, water, house is flooding. <laughs> Walks in the house. 
Okay. Then you have the water meter is frozen. She can't get it open. She's never turned water off. Doesn't know how to turn it off. You're driving from here to there. You know, supposed to do speed limit, right? Rush hour traffic. Okay. Um, but what you stop and think about it, the water it had a water leak for one hour. But if we weren't home and if it happened the next day, we both would have been at work, and what would it be? And so again, you can say, okay, can you then share that with people and be thanking the Lord that, hey, it was only for one hour? Because what would have happened if we'd been at work and it had been eight hours worth of water in the house? And so there's a lot of different things that we can look at. And so, you know... I think we can look at it, but notice they're seeking out an audience. Notice the second thing in verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple. If you remember, Thyatira is one of the seven cities in the book of Revelation. A worshiper of God was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Besides seeking out an audience, notice the Spirit convicted her and revealed how many of us try to do the Spirit's job? Any of you ever tried to play Holy Spirit in somebody else's life? You ever tried to do it with your kids? Your grandkids, whatever it might be? Notice, we have to allow the Holy Spirit. And you can look in the book of Acts, you're going to find they either were convicted, like in Acts 16, remember the uh, in this passage when the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? Or else they have the gnashing of their teeth. I, your job and my job is just simply speak and give the truth. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. I'll never forget, it was 50 years ago this year. I went to hear a, uh, a church in uh, West Tulsa that was putting on a, this conference, had a lot of different Christian films. And it was a great film. A couple of us from youth group went to see it. Afterward, the minister got up and we sang Just As I Am, which we're going to sing today. We sang 19 times. The call was took us longer to go the invitation than the movie did. And he was walking around the room, I'll never forget. Young man, the Lord's convicting you, you need to get saved. Well, that's, you know, that's not our job. And how many people then respond out of fear or whatever, but never really come to know Christ? The Holy Spirit doesn't need my help. And He's a whole lot stronger than I am. And let the Holy Spirit do His job. And I think my job is simply to give the truth. And so when you do it, just think about that when we're out sharing. And the next part you have, we know the story well, and the, He then basically casts out a demon and the People, their masters get upset. And they then have, notice in verse 22 down to 31, they beat Paul and they throw him in Silas and they throw him in prison. Now, is it legal to beat Paul? He's a Roman citizen. You cannot beat a Roman without a trial and just cause. Now, look in verse 25. Now, I want you to think about this is you. You just led people to Christ, you cast out a demon, doing everything you should be doing, and notice you get beaten like this, and you know, 
What happens 25? But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing of praise to hymns of praise to God. We're doing what? We're praising the Lord. And how many of us are praising the Lord after the water leak? <laughs> now seriously, what's the difference? What's the difference? And notice then the foundation shake and a miracle happens in 26. All doors are open and all chains off of every prisoner falls off. Now if that happened in the Tulsa County Jail downtown, what do you think would happen? Do you think they all would stay in the jail? Why did they all stay? That's why the jailer who's about to kill himself because it's his life if one prisoner gets out. And he'd rather kill himself in a more humane way than what was going to happen to him. And that's why when Paul says, don't do it, we're all still here, he knew it's a miracle. And he said, what must I do to be saved? So you think about it, how of us are showing the difference? When tragedy or things happen to us, do we act any differently or do we act as Christ would act? What did he tell them? Father, forgive them for what? And when that happens to us, what do we do? What about with Stephen? Did he not do the same thing? I've often thought if I was in Stephen's place, I probably would have grabbed a rock and at least thought I'm going to cut one of you on my way down. <laughs> but would that have... Notice that was a go that was used in Paul's life and helped lead him to Christ. So I think we want to really to pass it on like Paul. Are we really showing a difference? So think about it. Am I looking for an audience or do I expect it to come to me? Do they see me and want what I have or do they see that I don't act any differently than they do? And that's hard. That's real hard. And do I allow the Holy Spirit to do His work? How many of you think He doesn't move fast enough? Or the way you think He should? Since you're in the Acts, why don't you turn over to another one? What about chapter 17? He's at Berea. You notice he just left Thessalonica in verse 11. Now these were more noble-minded, 1711 of Acts. Now these were more noble-minded than those at Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. Scripture based. You know, Paul's commending them for what? When I spoke to you, you looked at the Scriptures to see if what I was saying is true or not. If there wasn't in Scripture, if you can't find it in Scripture, what, what should your response be? You don't believe it. You know, in Hezekiah 3.3 3, it says what? God helps those who helps himself, right? <laughs> there is no Hezekiah and nor does it ever say God helps those who help him but how many times have you heard that in your life and you laugh when I taught high school I actually put that in 
The majority, every student wrote it down. Hezekiah 3 written down. There's a king Hezekiah, but there's no passage Hezekiah. They looked at Scripture to see, and Paul is commending them, don't accept anything that anybody says if you can't find it in Scripture. Amen. Notice it's interesting, and he now is in Athens, and he's waiting, and he sees all the idols in 16, and he's provoked to speak. Notice what he does in verse 23. While I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Why would you have an altar to an unknown God? Hey, we don't want to miss one. You go on. What about when you get down to uh, verse 28? For in him we live and move and exist, even as some of your own prophets have said, we also are his offspring. Notice Paul goes from the known to the unknown. In the book of Acts, he, I mean the book of Romans, he goes from sinner. They all will not recognize they're a sinner. He does the same thing in the book of Acts. He talks about sin, and then he talks about Christ's death on the cross, and he talks about resurrection. And they got all upset here when he talks about resurrection because the Greeks didn't believe in resurrection. And so I think it's interesting to go from the known to the unknown. If I'm trying to explain something to you, if I can start with something you know, it can help explain something you don't know. We can do the same thing. And what we have today, we have in our culture today, so many of the terms that we have become accustomed to, people don't know anymore. When you say truth, what is truth? Is truth an absolute? You talk to most people today and there are no absolutes. You talk about God, you talk about Jesus, you talk about anything, you better define your terms because they will have a totally, you will think they understand and they don't understand what you're talking about at all. So make sure that we're uh, talking to them. Now I think it's interesting, then go to chapter 20. So start with what you they know and go to the unknown. Chapter 20, notice in verse 19. Paul is in, uh, he's trying to get to the Jerusalem, so he calls the elders to himself. Notice in verse 19 of chapter 20, he says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying. And then you'll notice also when you get down a little bit further in verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. How is, if you want to be like Paul, you don't shrink back from speaking what is suitable and profitable. There's a lot of things in our culture today that people don't want to talk about that's in the Scriptures. Are we not told in 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season? And there's an awful lot of doctrinal beliefs and a lot of things today that's not in Scripture. Or not in uh, people don't want to hear or don't want to talk about. But we need don't we don't shrink back from what the Word of God says. You know. And so I think it's important. It's not my words, it's God's words. You know. He also says to love my neighbor as myself. There's a lot of things. How many find it that it's harder to do what you are you understand and the things you don't understand? 
Seriously. If we'll just simply do what we're, we understand and let the other stuff go, we'll make a difference. <laughs> but don't shrink back in there and be suitable and profitable. And you'll notice in chapter 20, uh, 20 you notice in verse 22 uh, to 24, he didn't shrink back. We notice in verse 22, Now behold, bound in spirit, I'm on the way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testified to me in every city, saying that bonds, afflictions await you. Now how many of you want to go in every city you're going to go to? What's waiting on you? Afflictions. And he won't, but he goes to every city, doesn't he? And then after he remember, he, after the first missionary city, he says, we need to go back and visit them again. What's going to happen when you go through the second time? You know, you keep reading. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course. How many of us are wanting to stay the course? From the very time you find in the book of Acts, even before his salvation, he was told that he was going to be an you know, apostle to the Gentiles and there will be persecution. And why, when you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 8, he says, What, I have finished the course? I have what? Kept the faith. I mean, that is incredible. All that persecution he went through, and he knows when he gets to Jerusalem, he knows what's awaiting him when he gets there. But he does what? He goes. If we're wanting to pass it on, it, there's, there is going to be some uh, difficulties. So you think about it. Am I willing to stay the course and speak the truth, even though it may not be profitable? Is what I believe and live based on Scripture. And I think it's interesting when we look at it. All of us are really teaching and believing and acting what we say we believe. So that's in the book of Acts. We saw it in Corinthians then. And look over in Timothy and we'll look at the last ones in the second Timothy. So you remember, the gospel needs to be simple. We may be scared when we share it. But it needs to be spirit-led. It needs to be suitable to the audience. We need to seek out an audience. Spirit does the convicting, not me. I need to show a difference in my life where they have something that I have that they want. Scripture-based, start with known, going to the unknown. Don't shrink back. Tell everything. Stay on course. Look over in 2 Timothy, then, chapter 2. We had a real good sermon, if you remember, a number of years ago. Rusty Hale spoke on this passage, did a really good job. And, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, last book that Paul wrote just before his uh, death. And that's interesting what he tells. Notice in verse 1 and 2. You therefore, my brethren, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Lynn brought it up on our council meeting, and we've been trying to do this as the council have been the whole time, but are you a stream or are you a lake? What's the difference? Dead Sea. Why is it? Why is this Dead Sea? 
There is no outlet, correct? So as a council, when money is coming in, we're wanting to see where does God want us to use the money for His glory and help, you know, whatever it might be. <coughs> okay, Paul, notice he says, Timothy, I give these things and I give this to your life and you in turn need to do what? Teach others. Teach others who are then going to do what? Teach others. Now, I think it's interesting, I'll be a streamer late, but it's interesting, he basically, I remember a pastor a number of years ago said, you need to look for fat people. All right, and one up. Go ahead. Faithful, available, teachable. How many people don't fit one of those? You ever had any people in your classroom, Shelly, that knew it all and weren't teachable at all? You have others that all they want stuff, but they're never available. They come once every eight months. It's awful hard to impart things to them when they're not there. Or others, they hear stuff, but they're not faithful with what you give them. And it has nothing. One of the things when I am, I'm sure Norman would agree with this, when I had people and I had the lawn service and people worked for them, they didn't have to be the fastest worker or anything else. If they would show up every day, I then knew how much work I could get out of them in a day's time. I had some that were great, but they'd only show up two or three days a week or whatever. So you never knew what you could get out of them. You'd plan a bunch of work and then they wouldn't show up. And then they'd show up and you didn't have enough work planned. And uh, we need to be the faithful available in teaching. So you think about it, if I want to be like Paul, I want to be... You know, so Paul basically is saying, I want to give my life to people who are then going to give it to somebody else. If you don't, then are you not wasting a lot of time? Because as soon as you die and they die, it's over with. We want to pass it on. Notice the second thing I think it's interesting, besides a stream or a lake. Notice in verse 3, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. All right, man, how many of you in here served in the military? Did you buy any land over there, Don? Why not? I want to go home. <laughs> okay, but it's amazing to us how of us get entangled. This is not our home. How many of us are so entangled with this world and this life? When you think about it, what did Christ own when he died? Nothing. His clothing, one piece of garment that they did one, you know, they basically cast lots for. Did he have any, make any difference in the world? What about Paul? Nothing wrong with owning things. That's not that's not the point. But I think it's interesting, don't allow those things to sidetrack you, to be single-minded. What about verse 5? And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. You have this in the book of 1 Corinthians when Paul wrote the Isthmic Games, which is pre-Olympic Games, and Paul was there when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, and they had to uh, compete according to certain rules. And if you didn't compete according to the rules, then you were disqualified. As Christians too, how many of us, there's no shortcuts. That's right. If you want to have God's glory and so on, am I doing things for His glory? Can I give for my glory? 
Can I speak for my glory? You certainly can do all those things. That's why in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5 it talks about God knows the motive. You all and I don't know the motive, but God does. But as an athlete, we need to be no shortcuts. And I think the one thing to remember in verse 6, the hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive shares of the crop. Are you going to be rewarded one day? You will be rewarded in the crop. It's interesting to me when Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and he is being questioned about his life. In verse 19, there's an scene that you have there in being asked, what are you going to show for your life, Paul? And a lot of people are doing it. You know, you remember we have a lot of libraries that are you know, presidents, whatever, they want to have something to show for their life. What does Paul say in verse 19? You are my crown of glory. What do I have to show for my life? Paul's saying, I look out and say, here, this person, that person, that church, this is what I have to show. And so I think it's important when we want, we want to be passing on like Paul, do we really look at eternity and what am I passing on? So think about it. You know, do I train according to the rules? And what's my focus? So I think it's important. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.